Something like that. Yeah. L and Caitlin. L and Caitlin. Here we are, however many years later, hosting our own podcast. Right. So here's the thing. We need to make our next episode, like, really good. Because it's episode 10. I go into all of the episodes thinking these need to be really good. Okay. Are you just bringing half of it here? No, no, no. I'm bringing all of it. But we need to finally watch a really good, bad movie. Oh, I have several of them. That's I'll, true. I'll hook you up. We're going to get fireworks. We're going to make no it spectacular. Joke. No joke. No joke. I was going to say that. I was like, we need fireworks for episode 10. I we thought do. that in my head. We do. I mean, 10 is not like a huge milestone. No. But knowing us and how much we procrastinate on this podcast, it's kind of a big deal. And we didn't quit. We didn't quit. Boom. High five. High five. Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night, the podcast where my wife and I have a date night watching a bad movie, and then we share our thoughts and opinions with you, the listener. I am your host, Nigel, from ajourneyintofilm.com, and with me, as always, is my faithful wife, Caitlin. Hey, I feel like I need to be from something, because you're from something. This is Caitlin, future BCABA here. <laughs> <laughs> you can find her I just want to be as cool on, as you. You can find her on Nowhere, Twitter because, no. at Lynchburg BCBA. That's right. Tweeting all of your thoughts and opinions about behavior and analysis <laughs> in the greater Lynchburg, Virginia area. That's right. I can modify your behavior. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are talking about Over Her Dead Body, the 2008 film starring Paul Rudd, Blake Lively, and Eva Longoria. Oh boy. Kaylin, let's hear some initial thoughts. I was thinking, can I do this podcast like how the actors acted in this film? Like, I don't really want to be here. I have no interest in this. Just calculating how much little work I can do compared to the amount of money I'm going to get paid for this. So as unenthusiastically as possible? Yes. I was thinking about that, and I think it was a creative choice because the movie is about a ghost, and the characters were acting ghost-like themselves. They were. It was a meta commentary oh. on the state of ghosts. They didn't want to be there. No one wanted to be in that movie. I think Eva Longoria wanted to be in that movie. Oh, she was the most like... Um, animated. Animated, thank you. Yes, the most animated in the film. Everybody else was like, I don't want to be here. How did I get end up in this movie? I bet their agents were fired after this film. Probably not. Oh my god! I don't know. I would have fired my agent. Um, the I think the sister wanted to be in the movie. What was what was her name? Um, Chloe in the movie. I don't remember her name in real life. Lindsay though. Sloan. And you know what? Stephen Root gives one hundred percent in every performance, all of the time. Yeah, but he wasn't in it very much. No, so he was able to give up, <laughs> and it didn't matter. Um, Paul Rudd was just like, uh-huh, yep, sure. Like, I felt like I was on a bad date with Paul through the whole movie. Yeah. 
I am typically one of the first people to defend Paul Rudd as mm-hmm. being a funny individual. Mm-hmm. But and even, he is. He is. But even this movie would be very difficult to defend. Oh, my gosh. Like, he did not care. No one wanted to be in this movie. It was so dry. We'll talk more about that. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? No, that's that's all. Actually, I think I think Jason Biggs was trying to work with it. The guy who played Dan. Oh gosh. Oh. The gay not gay guy. That's a whole other conversation for maybe later. Cause like there's just so many things I have to say about Dan. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. In 2019, Dan's character in general, does not age well. Well, no. And, like, and it's not even necessarily about the fact that it's a straight guy who pretends to be gay. Like, it's the logic behind it that I have issues with. Yeah. Well, I feel like his logic falls into a typical rom-com trope of everything could be easily solved if people were willing to just communicate with each other. Yeah. I mean... You're not wrong. I feel like we should just change our podcast name to How to Communicate. How to Communicate. <laughs> Lessons with Nigel and Caitlin. <laughs> Lessons from rom-coms from Nigel and Caitlin. That's right. We should do that. We should just only do rom-coms from here on we out. We should. There's so many. And none of them are good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any favorite lines while oh, we're gosh, on the topic oh, of initial thoughts? I do. Do you have one? You can go first. Mine was, so Blake Lively, playing Ashley, is yelling at Eva Longoria's Kate, the ghost, Mm -hmm. about how she ran out of the locker room at the gym and showed a bunch of men her boobies. Mm -hmm. And this old lady comes up through the hallway, sees Blake Lively yelling at nobody, and says, that's a nice gesture, dear, <laughs> but unnecessary. Yeah. And it was also the only funny joke in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That was That's probably my favorite line, too, because none of them were good. Um, there's, like, I guess, like, I don't have a favorite line, but I have a favorite theme, which would be like this obsession with angels having wings that I feel like they hit really hard in the first part of the movie and then just like dropped it. I have a theory about that. Okay. I think they couldn't afford to do CGI wings Okay. on the angels. And so they were like, hey, you know, it'd be really funny since we can't afford to do this is if it's just a, we'll just put it as a joke in the movie. Um, yeah, but then they just dropped it. Like, if they would have continued through the end with it, like... Yeah, like, if at the end, Eva Longoria was, like, said to the 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 purgatory woman, mm-hmm. hey, do I get my wings now? Right, right. Something, it just, like, it was really hit for the first half of the movie, and then it was just, like, gone. That's my favorite theme. I feel like rom-coms that we have watched together, they pick a really weird topic, um, to focus on like some random, like it, like this one was wings. Um, I can't remember the other rom-com. Oh, when in Rome and ghosts of girlfriends past. Yeah. So ghosts of girlfriends past, it was like, they were really focused on like 
being a player, which I mean, I guess was kind of their that was theme. Part of his but character. Then they had that weird scene with condoms. It's a whole other. <laughs> In the tears of all the women. Oh my gosh! That him. no line has ever amounted to that. No. I will say this has been my second least favorite rom-com that we've watched so far. How would you put the rom-coms in order? Oh, it would easily be One in Rome. Mm-hmm. And then Ghosts of Girlfriends Past in this movie are probably a dead tie. See, I like Ghost of Girlfriends Past more. I would probably give the edge to that one mm-hmm. just because it does have that line about the tears. That was my favorite. And that was significantly more funny than any joke in this entire movie. <laughs> this The problem with this movie is that it's not funny. No. No one seems to act like they want to be here. I kind of felt like the movie was five hours long yes. at some points, and yet nothing happened. Nope. I was writing down the summary for this one, trying to remember all of the plot points, and my notes and the summary are two entirely different things because of how many, the, just the, the things that just happen that have no point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I, I did write down a lot that there's a lot of side plots going on and I can't even remember the character that said this, but if I recall, it was just some guy in a car Talking on his cell phone. I don't even really remember his character. But he said, um, when I see four girls in matching bowling, bowling shirts, that's how I roll. I forgot about what? that. Yeah, I don't remember what was going on there. I don't either. Like, because there's so many side plots in this movie. I remember the line. But yeah. I could not tell you at what point in the movie it happened. No, I, re- I remember he was like in a car, though, talking on his cell phone. And I don't know why he said it. Was he it. in the taxi? Yes, he was in a taxi. Okay. I don't really remember why it was said, but I just remember that line was said and it was never addressed again. And I was like, why is this guy talking about four go- girls in bowling shirts? And that's how he rolls. Was it like a bowling pin roll? It was probably some kind of weird pun. It didn't land well. But in my experience, I don't think I've ever said, hey, (laughs) girls in bowling jerseys are Mm. (laughs) super attractive. No. (laughs) So do you have anything else that you want to add before you jump into the plot? Um, No, that's all. Cool. So this movie opens up with the wedding of Henry and Kate. Henry, played by Paul Rudd. Kate, played by Ava Longoria. Also, she had three different names in this movie. If you looked at the wedding invitation, her name was Catherine. Someone, um, Henry, called her Katie, but everyone else called her Kate. And he only called her Katie at the wedding. That's probably the only thing in this movie that I could care less about over anything. (laughs) Just, Just pointing out some flaws. Actually, let's go back for a second. Okay. This might be the first rom-com we've watched mm-hmm. that doesn't... Well, no, actually, I changed my mind on that. I was going to say this might be the first rom-com that we've watched that doesn't promote stalking, but pretending that you're gay for five years yeah, <laughs> and joining this girl's cook, like catering business kind of falls into that category. Yes, it does. Yes, it Even does. though they were, quote, friends. Can you really be friends with someone that 
is lying to you for five years. I Here's something else that I'm trying to figure out with him while we're on the topic. Okay. How did they take bubble baths together without him? Being a man. Being a man and showing signs of attraction to her. To a woman. Yeah. No, I don't. And also, like, do you take bubble baths with your gay best friend? Probs not. First of all, probably not. I mean, who does that? I don't care if you're Weird gay, psychics straight, in New York. Anything. Lonely psychics in New yeah, York. Yeah, super lonely. Lonely half-psychic caterers in New York. <laughs> it's a very specialized pro- uh, population uh, segment of the population that has bubble baths with their gay best friends. Yes. Yes, it is. So we open up on their wedding day, and for some reason, instead of being a bride and getting ready, Kate is running around yelling at people like it's her job. This is a common uh, characteristic of trait. Characteristic of trait? Of trait of Kate. (laughs) A characteristic slash trait of Kate. There you go. That she (laughs) likes to yell at people and Mm -hmm. she talks over them and she thinks she knows better than them, Mm -hmm. which is important because it comes back later. I also feel like, again, reiterating this from all of the other topics of conversation we had in regards to this, like if you're getting married and you're this stressed out about one day, that's really not a good sign. Like, it's a wedding day. Like, you're getting married. It doesn't matter if your flowers are gardenias or lilies or no flowers. Yeah. You're getting married, and that's just the end. So The other thing, too, is we're barely five minutes into this movie, and mm-hmm. I'm already wondering how Parod ended up with this woman. Yeah, because he's, like... Really chill. Yeah. And a nice guy. Yeah. And genuine. And Mm -hmm. she's kind of a bridezilla. Yes. And as we learn from later in the movie, watching her interact with other people, even as a dead person, she's still a bit of a monster. Mm -hmm. Control freak. Yeah. Very controlling. Mm -hmm. uh, Very annoying in like a weird sort of way. Annoying in a weird sort of way. I don't don't know how else to describe it because it's not like... I don't know. The stuff that she says when she's annoying Ashley are just random. Yeah, she's yes, you're right. Like just very random. I I did write that down. So it's almost like she does have the same sense of humor as Paul Rudd, but she also is very controlling. Very uptight. Yes, very uptight. Great word. So Stephen Root shows up with the ice sculpture, and I think to myself, how could this movie be bad? I've never seen Steven Root in anything that wasn't bad. The that problem wasn't bad? that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't bad. Yeah. You got it? Yep. You with me? I'm okay. With you. He makes every movie better. Okay. I realized at the end of this movie, the reason why it wasn't good mm-hmm. is because there wasn't enough of him in it. Agreed. He shows up for three scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Steven Root plays this ice sculpture delivery guy. Well, not really a delivery guy. He is the sculptor of this ice. Nope. Actually, that sentence works right there. So, (laughs) (laughs) and Kate has huge issues with this sculpture. Why? It's an angel without wings. Yeah. She's upset. 
She's obsessed with angels having wings. Correct. Oh. Which I could understand being a little upset because otherwise you just have a, a statue of a woman. Of, yeah. <laughs> so I could understand being upset, but demanding that he take it back and This re-sculpt. is why you don't have ice sculptures at your wedding. I didn't even know that ice sculpting was still a thing. I didn't either. But apparently it is. It in is. 2008. Yeah. And it's still impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's an impressive thing, but like I could not imagine spending that much money on something made of ice. Do you know what the running cost of an ice sculpture is? I'm going to go with a good ice sculpture. Probably cost around five grand. Five grand? For for a good one. I'm not talking about like some like n- nobody in Lynchburg making them. I'm talking about they live in New York City. They got an ice sculpture. I'm I'm gonna go with five grand. It was a it was a good size ice sculpture too. It was like a life size yeah. woman. Yeah, I mean that can't be cheap. So I think I'm spot on. According to costhelper.com for weddings and ice sculpture, it says typical costs. Ice sculptures can cost anywhere from $45 for a small tabletop vase to $300 for a standard 36-inch design, such as lovebirds, a heart, or a swan, and up to $1,000 for more or large elaborate designs, such as a block, bar, or table. So I'm thinking New York City, maybe $3,000 then for a woman-sized ice sculpture. Yeah. Which is sad for something that's just going to melt. Exactly. In the sun. Exactly. Why would the sculpture be delivered so early before the ceremony even happened? Right. That thing going to be gone in 20 minutes. Right. It was a warm summer day. She could just tell everybody that the wings melted off. Yeah. I agree. So Kate gets upset that there's no wings on the sculpture and tells him to take it back. And as he is leaving, he's running over her flowers, her gardenias, and... She yells at him to stop and gets behind the truck in the process of him stopping. The ice sculpture falls over, crushes her, and kills her. Okay. Wait. No. Pause. She dies by an ice sculpture. Are we not going to hit that? Like They don't spend enough time talking about they this don't. in the movie. She died by getting crushed by an alt. Ice sculpture. Even later in the movie, when Paul Rudd's talking about how she died, Mm -hmm. he says that she was crushed by an angel and that he sees the irony on that, which maybe I don't. No, I don't either. Because I think it's so much funnier that he was hit by an ice sculpture. Oh, yeah. I think, like, that's what they should have harped on. She goes to Purgatory, which is this giant empty space of white. Mm Mm-hmm. And There's conveniently, a, a theme of white in this movie. Yes. Evelyn Gore is always wearing white, mm-hmm. which I wondered at one point if she was wearing wedding dresses, mm-hmm. various styles of wedding dress, or if those were just normal dresses that she would wear. I don't really remember what she was wearing when she died. It was a, a tank top yellow sundress with flowers on it. I'm glad that you remembered that. You know. Got that perfect memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she is so enamored by the fact that she died and she is so not, what am I trying to say? She 
continues to do the normal thing that she does, where she just talks over people and doesn't let them answer all of her questions that she has. And as a result, this woman who shows up tells her to shut up and then disappears because she still won't stop talking. Mm -hmm. So Kate has no idea what's going on or what she has to do or why she did not go to the good place or the bad place. Right. So now she's just kind of stuck in this white room. Yeah. Then we're introduced to Blake Lively's Ashley. Mm -hmm. She is a psychic who is really... A bad psychic. Yeah, let's just say I don't think she was ever a good psychic. Right. Agreed. Throughout the movie, she says that she's sometimes half right, and I don't think that... I mean, I'm sometimes half right about things, but I'm not a psychic. I mean, 50% of the time, you're right 50% of the time. Right. So, but not a psychic. I mean, you could probably claim to be a psychic. <laughs> I'm a psychic. We could right use some extra income. The time. <laughs> She's really caught on the fact on this boat. She thinks that this woman's husband has a boat. Mm-hmm. When we find out that he was deathly afraid of water, mm-hmm. and I think the woman's looking for money that he left behind. That's what she said. Like he left behind money in a boat. Yeah, and then she asks if it maybe was a boot. Yeah, because those are the same. Yeah. And so right off the bat, you're like, oh, she's a bad psychic. Guess who she's going to communicate with because reasons. Reasons. (laughs) And we're also introduced to Dan, played by Jason Diggs. Jason Diggs? Jason Biggs. Biggs. And when I was introduced to him, he was in the kitchen cooking. Badly. Yeah, and, and I, I literally wrote down, okay, side character in the kitchen, why? And then, how is someone this incompetent? Like, I mean, this man was burning things, and then he um, caught his... Dropping things. Yeah, he caught his sleeve on fire, and then... Put it into a boiling pot a of water. A boiling pot of water. What are you... What? And then, like, it was explained away, like, oh, he's gay. This is why he's bad at cooking which like stereotypes say that gay people are good at right that kind of stuff and then they just like seem to explain it away with this and i'm like what this movie yeah several questions that we have about this one if this guy is such a mess to the point where he gets blood in the tomato sauce and says oh it's fine because no one will notice right Why would she continue to work with him for her catering business? That's a great question. Also, what is she catering when she has her tiny apartment kitchen? Yeah. How many meals can you really be making in that? Because later in the movie, we see her with this professional catering grade setup for the wedding. The cherry bomb. Yeah. And she also. It's only her and this other guy working together. Mm-hmm. And this wedding looks too big for just two people to well, be working Well, there were other with. people there. There are other people working with them? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were working with them, but there's other people there serving up the food. Who are those people? I don't know. Why isn't she doing catering full-time instead of being a psychic part-time? She could make a lot more money that way. That's true. Weddings in New York City? And she needs that money to support that door that she had on her apartment because we all know that new york city apartments have ginormous doors with 
elegant tiling. There's no way she could afford this apartment on her income is what I'm saying. And on her income as a psychic. Right. Probably even as a caterer, too. Not even as a caterer. She couldn't afford this apartment. That introduces my favorite trope of rom-coms are the people who can afford apartments, but they don't really have impressive jobs. Right. Like, Paul Rudd could have afforded that apartment. Yeah. Because he's a vet. Right. But not Ashley. So, the uh, Paul Rudd is introduced to Ashley, and via uh, His his sister, Chloe... Paul Rudd's mm-hmm. character's name is Henry, mm-hmm. and he is mega depressed after Kate died. It's been a whole year. He still hasn't found love. Can we talk about that? Sure. Can we stop and talk about this? Okay. His sister, Chloe, seems to be really, really pushing her brother to, like, move on. Yeah. And... Number one, we don't know how long him and Kate were dating. We know nothing about that relationship. We don't. And so, like, they could have been dating for 10 years. And his sister wants him to, like, just move on in a year. I mean, to each their own, but it doesn't seem like Paul Rudd really wants to move on at this point. He does not. He's just kind of like, I met my person. Like, she was my person. I'm not going to meet anybody else. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, he seemed to have come to terms with my person died. And I'm going to be alone forever. And that's okay. He seemed okay with it. Right? I, I mean, thought so. Yeah, okay. Chloe was like, no. We need to get him out of this funk. Which makes me wonder, like, if I were to die... Would a year, because maybe this is just my own projections, because if you died, I probably would be in the same place as Paul Rudd. Like, that was my person. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. But, like, I know you would want to get remarried. So, like, what is an appropriate amount of time? Who are we to say what an appropriate amount of time is? But, like, for you. Like, I'm just trying to gauge other people here. I, I really don't know. <sighs> it's it's like, tough to say not being in that situation. I just feel like... If he's happy, why is his sister pushing him so much? I think much? that was the point, is that he wasn't happy. I think... But he, he's not happy after he meets Ashley. We see no character change in him. He is the same monotone Paul Rudd from the beginning to the right, end. Right, right, right. But I think that... I think it's reasonable to assume that his sister would be concerned after a year. And she seems to be a pushy... Uh, possible drug addict individual, which we'll get to that in a second. And I think I could see her being concerned to the point of saying, hey, maybe we should try to move on. Okay. Also, I don't know why this movie made me realize it, but Paul Rudd has a very skinny head. (laughs) It looks very squished. Yeah. And I've never noticed that before. Maybe it was the haircut he had. I think it was the haircut, if I'm recalling. Just a side note. Um, I It was also at this point in the movie. So we're nine minutes in. I feel like we'd been watching this for 20 minutes. This is when you got up to go to the bathroom and we paused it. No, I went to switch the laundry. Oh, can't tell everybody that you had to go to the bathroom. No, because no, we did have to pause it. And I remembered. Oh, we paused this movie so many times. I know. Times. And I remembered 
because I did have to go to the bathroom and we paused it and we had 30 minutes left. And I was like, great, this movie's almost over. We had to pause it early because I had switched to laundry. Then we paused it later and I was like, sweet, 30 minutes left. And I feel like it was another hour. It did feel like another hour. Yeah. I wanted to know why Paul Rudd was was with Eva Longoria at this point. Because we knew from the opening scene that she is a little crazy and a little controlling. Mm-hmm. And he just seems to be like a nice general guy. We also, we don't find out right away that the guy in the kitchen is gay. This is where we find out. And I thought, oh, he's the gay best friend. So we're going to be doing that trope throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. I also wondered why he was allowed near that kitchen at all. Because he was a disaster with a capital D. They didn't really set up that he was... Um her partner in catering at not, this point. Not yet. Right. That was so after we didn't really understand. I Henry thought, left. Yeah, so I didn't really know why he was in the kitchen either. Henry, uh, she tries to do a psychic reading with Henry to try to uh, try to reach Kate to help him move on. I don't, it doesn't work because she's not really a psychic. And he, oh, the you know what would have been a more interesting story than this movie? What has Kate been doing for the past year? Yeah, I also just read that in my notes. Where has Kate been for this past year? Because Ashley can't see her yet, but um, at some point she comes up. Um, and when we are introduced to Ghost Kate, it doesn't seem like she's been following Henry around for the past year. Right. It seems like she's just been... In the white room, maybe? In... It- there's no real explanation. The yeah. Um, yeah, we don't we don't really know where she has been. Um, we it, this is also when he goes to see the sidekick 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 one year later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the wedding. He so it doesn't go well. He leaves. Right. Goes to his job. He's a vet. Yes, and he's a vet. And I wanted to know why this movie needed to insult dogs. I was very offended by I this. I thought, okay, so I, I thought about that. I think that was them trying to utilize Paul Rudd's humor, which he is wasn't even, kind of sarcastic uh, yeah. and um, kind of makes, like, snide remarks that are, like, funny but, like, not mean. Yeah. Because he was poking fun at this dog's weight, Beatrice, and... His sister shows up, and while he's talking to his sister, we see two vet techs in the background struggling to pick this dog up, which every few few seconds, they crash into something, and it and sounds that more horrific. Yeah, that dog. I did not like this scene. That scene actually made me very upset. I was not happy with why. That dog was so fat, though. It was. Yeah, but that's that not the dog's fault. <laughs> like, that's not the dog's fault. Like, that's specifically the owner's fault. Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. shouldn't be poking fun at the dog. Like, the dog can't do anything about it if you leave it cooped up inside. And Let's make fun of the, the owner. Well, Paul Rudd does say at one point there are other ways to show it love other than feeding him, feeding her. Right. The dog's name is Beatrice. Yeah. I just felt like we were really poking fun of of dogs like dogs and cats were really hit hard in this movie as like stupid animals but birds 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 are it yeah and i was like the person who wrote this movie has a bird they probably have a vendetta against 
Cats and Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Which, ironically, the director went on to write Hotel for Dogs. Mm. Now I'm boycotting that movie. Well, it came out <laughs> several years eight ago. Years ago so yeah. We can probably skip that one. <laughs> Although it's probably on our list. <laughs> he, uh, the sister asks him, hey, do animal tranquilizers work on people? That's what made me think maybe she was a drug addict. Mm. Why did she even ask that? I don't even remember. I don't know. That was another point of someone trying to say something funny in this movie that doesn't. Doesn't work. No. Oh, so the sister, meddling more than the mystery gang, finds Kate's diary and takes it to Ashley and tells her to lie to Henry to get him to move on. Right. Which is devious. Again, she seems obsessed with this guy moving on when we have no... I think this movie would have been different had we seen Paul Rudd struggling to move on, but, like, going on bad days and just not finding the right one. Like, that would have been a different movie. Yeah, but instead we're told he's depressed. He's supposed to move on. And he's supposed to move on. Right. So, And we're also supposed to feel sympathy for what Chloe's trying to do. But I don't. I just feel like it's a very annoying sister overstepping, and I just feel like... Paul Rudd has all these women in his life that are so, like, controlling. Yeah, he's... Like the poor man. She's kind of a jerk about it. Yeah, his fiancé seemed to be that way. His sister seemed to be that way. Ashley seems to be that way. I think he's better off with no one. Maybe. But not Ashley. Not Ashley. That made no sense. I know, I wrote down, are we supposed to care about Henry and Ashley? Because I didn't. He shows up at her house. Or no, 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 no. So she has this this moment of, I don't know if I should do it. And Dan's like, maybe you should do it. Mm-hmm. Does she talk to Dan? Yeah, she talks to Dan about it. Okay. And he, and she, I guess she decides to do it. Because next thing we see, he's, Henry's walking through the grocery store. Right. Conveniently bumps into her. Right. Which I don't. I would like to see how that planning process went right. to just conveniently bump into someone at the in grocery store City. in New York City. And and she, t- they touch hands through rom-com Reasons. means of touching hands. Right. And she's, she pretends like she has this, vil- this vision from Kate telling Henry to move on. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, no, she gets him on the hook by saying, like, you and Kate met. Oh, she, when yeah, it she was... starts using all those date or the diary entries mm-hmm. as ways to lure her in. Lure him in, yeah. So she says, oh, we met, you met Kate whenever you guys were, it was raining and she, you stole her taxi. And he was like, what? How'd you know that? Yeah. Then she's like, hey. Do, do they wanna... go back to her apartment? Yeah. She's like, do you want to have dinner or something or coffee or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. They yeah. have coffee. Mm-hmm. And then she tells him. Right. That Kate's telling him to move on. Right. Let me tell you something, Caitlin. I have seen a boiling pot of water with more chemistry than these two <laughs> people have. I know. No one wanted to be in this movie. They didn't want to be dating. They didn't seem like they really wanted to be together no she she makes a comment because on the way to getting coffee he makes another comment about dogs and she says that she's a cat person and he's like oh yeah of course you are and it's like right off the bat like 
that would have been an interesting way to view this movie is through his lens of cat people and dog people. Yeah. Because isn't he a dog person? Yes. Okay. And we see he has a date later with, where, a, cat with a cat lady and yeah. he tells her she's like, she's trying to be funny. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what's who's smarter, cats or dogs? And he says, dogs, duh. Right. And she gets so upset that yeah. she cancels the date right there. Right. Because she has four cats. Yeah. The four cats should have been a red flag before that <laughs> question. Yes. But, yeah. And so I feel like they set Ashley and Henry up with nothing in common. Yeah. Like, first of all, they don't even have really the same view of belief in science and um, what happens after you die. He doesn't believe in um, being a psychic. He doesn't really believe in an afterlife. At one point, he tells her that she that he thinks he knows how she does it, and they yeah. say that they should go into separate rooms. Yeah. And then somehow that turns into them just going to dinner. Yeah. Like what? I It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. It's like the movie needed them to just be together, and so that's what happened. The movie determined that they needed to be together, and so they were together. That's exactly how this movie was. Um, I think at this point... At, uh, Kate comes back. Yeah, so this is the first time that Ashley sees Kate. Um, the very first time. Right. And I don't oh, understand why. Wait, wait, wait. Kate shows up to her house telling after, her that she wants a psychic reading after seeing them on a date together. Yes. So so now all of a sudden Ashley can see Kate and Kate's there for a psychic reading. Kate pretends to be possessed by herself. Yeah, herself. Um, and says, like, you better stop being a psychic and, um, Stop pursuing my boyfriend. Or she calls him her husband and is like, you never got married, girl. Calm down. Okay. I mean, they were about to be married. Yeah, but about to is not the same as being married. So it's okay for a girl to, like, swoop in and steal your husband on your wedding day? I mean, if they got cold feet, you probably don't want to be with them anyway. So... Um, Kate says, um, you know, you need to stop messing with the dead. You need to stop. You need to leave Henry alone. And Ashley does just that. She's completely and totally freaked out because Kate's body is floating in the air. Oh, we need to back up for a second because Kate, as a ghost, sees them together, runs into the ice sculptor who is also dead. Mm-hmm. And she asks, she and him have a conversation about why she hasn't moved on yet. And he, in typical Kate fashion, she interrupts him and assumes that her unfinished business includes protecting Henry, protecting Henry from ever dating ever again mm-hmm. and ever being with any other woman. Also, the ice sculptor died from drunk driving. Mm-hmm. Not that that's important. So Ashley leaves Henry alone. And he calls her a lot. Yeah, they went out one time, and he called her, like, 12 times. So a little stalkerish. Yeah, this movie is pro-stalker. Mm-hmm. The ghost is pro-stalker. The ghost? Yeah, because Kate's been following him around for a year. Right. Kate Just... is pro-stalking. Henry's stalking. The gay best friend is stalking. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of lost track of the plot at this point. But... Um... Paul Rudd brings her a sandwich, and I know that they go on another date. Yeah, so what happens is 
eventually um, she realizes Kate comes back, I believe, and she realizes, oh, because um, Chloe brings over um, some pictures of Kate to Ashley. I mean, some pictures of Kate. To oh Ashley. yeah, like some newspaper clippings mm-hmm. and stuff. And she's like, and "Oh wait, obituary. this is this is Kate." And she's like, "Yeah, that's Kate." And she's like, "Oh, it's." And that's when Ashley realizes that the woman she had the the psychic reading with was Kate mm-hmm. messing with her. Right. Then so then she pursues Henry again. Yes, and they go on a date, and. They, it's kind of stupid, but because this is the perfect example of how the jokes in this movie don't work. Mm -hmm. They go to a hot dog cart for dinner and she tries to squirt some mustard on her Italian sausage and it shoots all over her instead. And then somehow she ends up dumping the whole container of mustard on her. And normally I think that would be funny. And normally, Paul Rudd sticking his hot dog into the mustard and taking a bite out of it would be funny. However, there's no enthusiasm or energy behind any of the jokes in this movie. I mean, again, there's no real chemistry between Henry and Ashley, so the jokes don't land well. It seems like two people who don't want to be in this movie. No. How would you like to go on a date with... Like, after your wife dies, and then you start dating again, and you have to say... Like, to them, oh, my wife died by a nice sculpture falling on her. I feel like that would just be... I feel like that's one of those stories that would be really sad at first. Yeah. But as time goes on, you kind of think, like, it's a little funny. Yeah. I just don't know how you'd like to be known as that guy. Oh, that's the guy whose wife died by an ice sculpture falling on her. How much of... How many of the people at... The wedding at the end, do you think we're at the first wedding when she died? Probably quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were they were still setting up, so I don't know how many people were there. We're actually... Yeah, I mean, I don't think they saw her die. Oh, yeah. It would also have been funny had Ashley been the caterer at their wedding. Oh, my gosh. That could have brought everything full circle. Right. Like, if... Kate and Ashley, you know, how Kate was nagging the girl setting up everything in the beginning. Mm-hmm. If that was Ashley instead. Yeah. They really missed something there. They could have connected the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene. So at this point, Kate's upset that Ashley keeps seeing Henry and decides to play some pranks on her. One of them being pretending to be a loudspeaker and saying that there is an emergency and that they need to leave the gym while Ashley is in the shower. So she runs out butt naked into the middle of the gym. Mm-hmm. And it's really not that funny. Nope. She she shows up to... She shows up to... Or Kate shows up to her house and says, I'm going to tell you all of my... The story of all of my pets... Yeah, and I also had a question about that. Like, why would you tell her stories about the the pets that you've owned and not, like, stories about you and Henry? That would have been a good way to get her to Sympathize, stop. yeah. St- instead of annoying her, saying, hey, this is the history that we have together. Right. It then, also would have gave us context as... Yes. Instead, we're given no context. Right. There was a chance 
that Henry would see Kate before the end of the movie? No. No? No. I really thought that was going to happen. No, I figured it wouldn't because it was like Ashley's superpower thing. That she could see things? Yeah. But like they also should have made her a good psychic if that's what they wanted to have happen. Because that would have made more sense if she was like a really good psychic. Then she would like actually see Kate. Yeah, it would have been. I, I realize that it's supposed to be funny that she's a bad psychic. It wasn't, though. And then she can suddenly see things. But no, you're right. It was not. The The problem is that... So it, it, we're like an hour into the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. We have about 40 minutes left. And no one has done any growing at this point. Well, no. In, in fact, we kind of see how horrible of a person Ashley is because... Uh, she lied to him about Kate speaking to her. Yeah. And then she lies to him again um, about how Kate says that you just need to move on and she just wants you to be happy. This was clearly not what Kate was saying. So she's just lying and lying and lying. She disappears for a week because she's afraid of Kate, basically, um, and doesn't really explain that to him. So the relationship itself isn't really being set up for success here. No, and she, um, I don't really remember what I was going to say. Um, this movie really doesn't have any plot. It is just lots of little things that keep happening. The, um, in On any of the dates that Paul, that Henry and Ashley go on, they don't talk about anything. Right. At one point he says to her, Hey, have you thought about Kate? Yeah. I'm sure she thinks about Kate all the time because of the weird things that have been happening. Right. Yeah. There. I mean, I'm trying to remember all of the dates that they go on. I know they go out to dinner and then they go out to that food truck. There's a food truck? When she spills mustard oh, on her. Oh, the little cart. Yeah. Um, and they, they do lots it. of the sarcastic flirty joking. But they don't really know anything about each other. In fact, no. Paul uh, Henry makes the assumption that she reads David Foster Wallace because she has the book. And so he buys her another book. Right. But then she admits, oh, I don't like him. I just keep the book because I look smart. Mm-hmm. And clearly he really likes him because he is well versed in, in the book and tells her what to read. Yeah. And what he likes about it. Yeah. So we're not really seeing any like... Oh, these two are perfect for each other. The beginning of the relationship is built on a lie. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I've seen boiling water with more chemistry than those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate shows up to annoy Ashley into not seeing Henry anymore. She tells her that she's going to tell her about all of the pets that she ever had and somehow spends from... I'll say like six o'clock at night until the next morning telling her about pets. We don't know how many pets this is, but it's amazing that she had enough stories about all of these pets to keep her going through everything. Yeah. I don't, I did not understand that. Like why was she so focused on telling stories about pets? There's a lot of like animal uh, themes in this movie, but it doesn't really pay off. Yeah. Except for the bird, I guess. Yeah, except for the bird. 
Oh, because there's what animal? Oh, that late that old lady's dog right. sees and yeah sees Kate. Doesn't he pee on her or something? He sniffs her. Okay, like looks right at her. Oh, okay. And It'd be funny if he peed on her. That would have been very funny. Yeah. More funny than anybody else in this movie. Yeah. Maybe even funnier than that old lady. Probably. Then, when they wake up in the morning, Kate says, Now I'm going to tell you about my favorite colors and numbers. Who has favorite numbers? Mm, Not me. Favorite colors, I understand. But once you start getting into the forest green, (laughs) indigo blue... (laughs) And all the. Do you think she was just saying that because she was trying to be annoying? Like, what is something that no one cares about? Oh, numbers and colors. The weird thing is, I believe that Kate genuinely had favorite colors and numbers. I could see that. Why combining those two lists together? I don't know. That it, was poor planning on her part. It really she was. She has to start over because she forgot which one she's already said. Ashley gets fed up and says, okay, I'll leave him alone. Mm-hmm. And then in the next scene, she says, JK, Kate wants us to be together. Mm-hmm. To Henry. So they decide to go on a road trip. Um, is this before or after she called the priest? Oh, I think it's after. Yeah, so she calls up this priest and she's like, I have a spirit following me. Get rid of it. Yeah. And he exercises the spirit in the hopes that Ashley will start going to church and that she will give up her wicked ways of being a psychic. Right. And Kate does a funny, funny, I don't know, I use that term very loosely, but she does a joke where she starts disappearing like it's actually working. Yeah, this is. I think this is what happens before she starts doing the favorite pets thing. Okay. Maybe. Really, any scene in this movie could be Swap around because nothing happens. No. They, so they go on this trip together. Oh, wait, is this before or after she blows up the cherry thing? That scene wasn't that funny. We can skip over that. There's a wedding that Ashley is catering with Dan, and she blows up this dessert because she puts too much alcohol in it, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't funny. It really wasn't funny. I, and there's no real reason. We didn't learn anything about anyone. She Well, she told Dan that she was going away with Henry, and he was upset about it. And we're supposed to feel sympathy for him. I we're guess. supposed to feel a lot of things for a lot of characters in this movie that they don't really give us good reasons to feel. No. But, okay. They go on this trip, and Kate makes fart sounds to make Ashley think that Henry had some gnarly gas coming out of his which like that didn't make sense to me either because I thought Kate was making fart sounds because she wanted Henry to hear it because she wanted Henry to think Ashley was doing it but then I realized he can't hear her so Ashley was supposed to think Henry was doing it but Ashley knows that Kate's following her around so why would that not be your first thing because it very clearly sounded like hand farts yeah so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with this movie. <laughs> fart sounds. If you can't even get fart sounds right in a movie, do you even have a movie? And look, then 
Ashley comes out of the bathroom wearing lingerie, and Paul Rudd still seems unenthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was confused because, like, he was so... Kate is basically talking to Ashley the whole time that they are having sex. And Ashley is trying to drown Kate out by having Paul Rudd yell um, things Very to bad, her. dirty talk. Yeah. And then also turning up mariachi music really loud to drown out Kate. And, and Paul Rudd was clearly not into it. Yeah. But then we flash forward to them leaving wherever they were. We don't even know because they don't even leave the hotel room because they were there for like 20 seconds to have a sex scene. And Paul Rudd seems like he was. Yeah. And Paul Rudd um, seems like he was like, this was the best night ever. Yeah. He suddenly seems to be madly in love with this woman. And it makes no sense. They don't have any chemistry with each other. No. We, we still don't know why they're attracted to each other other than this is the first woman he's dated since his fiance died. Mm-hmm. Then I forget exactly what happens. So he, he tells his sister, hey, me and Ashley are dating. Oh, and then the sister gets upset because it's not. I don't really know what her plan was. Like, I know that she wanted him to move on. But not with Ashley. But not with the psychic why i don't know maybe she sees that they're not having chemistry together either i don't know chloe didn't seem to know who ashley was either right i i really don't understand why she was so upset that they are now dating but she was and she confronts her and Mm -hmm. henry finds out about the diary yes when we're told at the beginning he says hey that's so-and-so's diary doesn't even open it and we're told at the beginning of the movie that he doesn't know about the diary. Right, right. Again, logic in, in their planning. I'm pretty sure that two people just sat down and were like, how funny would it be if somebody gets killed on their wedding day by a nice sculpture? Yeah, joke's on you. This movie was written by one dude. One dude? Yeah. He had this idea in his head. He needed some help. He really did need some help. This movie could have been a lot tighter. Yes. Ashley is upset because she thinks that Henry isn't going to talk to him anymore. And this is where we find out that, spoiler alert, Dan's not gay. I don't even know what to say about that because, like, (laughs) I just don't understand why you would put that in a movie. Yes, so let's talk about this scene for a second. Let's go into detail. We find out that he and Dan and Ashley had been on a couple dates before and she he they go they've been dating for like what a week I think he says yeah and they go to the movies and because he has not kissed her or made a move yet she says it's so nice to have a gay best friend yeah and instead of and he even says what was I supposed to do um tell her you're not gay right that would be the logical thing. And then kiss her. If but that's instead, what you wanted. he chooses the most insane thing ever, which is I'm going to pretend to be gay for the next five years. And five years is a long time, which I also didn't understand. Like, <laughs> why are you pretending to be gay for the next five years? Like, did, did this conversation not come up like a week later, two weeks later? Like, you didn't get drunk one night and was like, by the way, Ashley, not gay. Like, I don't understand 
like how this was kept a secret for it five years. It sounds like it would have been more work to pretend to be gay for yeah, five years. Than to just say I'm not gay. Yeah. And explain himself to her. This was literally my thoughts when Dan kisses Ashley. I said, gay guy kisses her? Oh, he was pretending to be gay. That's not kosher. Plot twist? (laughs) I, because I literally didn't care. Yes, because here's what happens then. He, we're supposed to think like, oh, that's, I don't actually, I don't know what we're supposed to think. I don't know what we're supposed to think either. But what this, because he starts going on this rant about But this guy's stupid. That's what we're supposed to think. I think we are supposed to think that. And he was. Because suddenly player two has entered the game and he thinks he can slide in there now that Henry's out of the picture. But we find out that he doesn't like cooking. Duh. We find out that he doesn't like fashion. He actually full on admits that he does not like anything that Ashley is interested in. Yeah. So then we're left to wonder. And he talks about how much money he spent on buying these expensive clothes because he's supposed to be a good dresser because he's gay. And it's like, no one asked you to do that. Nobody asked you to do that. We're supposed to feel bad for him, but really his whole plan just makes him sound like an idiot. Yes. It probably would have been better for him to just disappear just to ghost her than to uh, admit that he wasn't gay. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, this was pre-Facebook era by a small amount. Yeah. So he probably could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Oh, this guy was a mess. There is zero emotional growth in this movie. We skip to the vet where Henry has not been talking to Chloe. Mm -hmm. She lies about borrowing her neighbor's cat, Mm -hmm. saying that it's a stray that she rescued just so that he will talk to her. And we're supposed to think, oh, that's so sweet. She rescued a cat to talk to her brother. Who's a dog person. Who is a dog person. So she should have rescued a dog. Probably. Um, I don't really remember how that conversation goes. I guess they make up. No, they don't. Oh. She ends up leaving upset because... He was, like, basically told her, like, I can't believe you did that. I was fine without moving on. Like, you're trying to rush everything. Just let me be. And she just takes off. She does take off. I don't remember how they, like, reconnect, though. But I know she left angry because I remember her picking up the cat and storming out. I think the next time we see her is at the wedding. That's what I thought. So they must have made up. Yeah. (laughs) Magical makeup. Then, in typical rom-com fashion... We skip to a montage of Ashley and Henry going on dates. And we see Kate watching Henry, realizing that he is not happy with all of these people. And then Stephen Root shows up, and I think this is where the real plot twist of the movie is. Mm -hmm. He reveals that his unfinished business is to get her to finish her unfinished business. Because she was too dumb and talkative to listen to the purgatory lady at the beginning of the movie. Right. Which, why did Stephen Root not just do this earlier? We don't know. Because he cut her, she cut him off. Yeah, but he could have came back later. Yeah, he he did came back later. Well, several times later, yeah. So, she's like, oh, I gotta let him go. I gotta let him go. Did you write that down? Is that exactly what she says? No. Because oh, that sounded just about exactly <laughs> how the writing in this movie would have been. I'm pretty sure that's what she says, though. Stephen Root just 
disappears into light. And it was at this point that I became 100% convinced that they did not have the budget for wings. <laughs> she goes to Henry's apartment, realizes that his bird can see her and talk to her. Hold up. My biggest complaint with Ashley in this whole movie is basically, I understand that um, Kate is supposed to let Henry go. Like, I get that. You're dead. You need to let him be with whoever he wants to be with. I totally understand that. And I support that. Marry who you want to marry. But Kate is is very clearly expressing that she has difficulty moving on to Ash with Ashley. Like she doesn't want to let Henry go. Yeah. She had an untimely death. It was her wedding day and she got crushed by crushed by an ice sculpture. Like That makes sense. Like that's untimely. She she had her whole life planned and like it was boom, gone. Um, was she a perfect fiance from what we see? No. However, she didn't boss Henry around. She was bossing everybody else around. She didn't really boss Henry around in the whole scene. Not that we know of. Right. But we know nothing about her. Yeah. Um, like, and him together. We don't know them as a couple. Yeah. At all. So we're supposed to root for Henry and Ashley because she's just by default because she's dead. Yes. By default because she's dead. But, but yet we're able to see... Kate, and we're able to see her express to Ashley that she's having difficulty letting her husband go. And and Henry, who for some reason really loved Kate, I don't know why, he really loved her though. He seemed to like have difficulty moving on from her. Ashley lies to him the whole movie and tries to convince him that his dead wife is saying we should be together. Does it make it a lie if it ends up being right in the end? <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, that was just my biggest complaint with Ashley. It's like, hey, I have no respect for your dead wife. She's dead and following me around and telling me what she wants, but I'm not going to tell you. Because there's several times Kate tries to c talk to Henry through Ashley and Ashley twists her words and doesn't say what Kate's asking her to say. And maybe I feel like that happened the one time. Um, it happened at the airport, and it happened um another time. She paraphrased time. her at the airport, and thankfully she gave her credit for that. But and then she it happened another time. Well, it happened at the beginning, towards the beginning, whenever she said when she was going to tell Henry that she didn't want him to move on. Mm-hmm. But then Ashley lied and said that she yes. does want them to move on. Yes. So there were like two times. Yeah, so two times. So I just feel like maybe if you would have just let Kate said her piece, she would have left you alone. Maybe. Maybe if you because let them have a real conversation. The, well, and that's the, the thing is like there's supposed to be this arc also of Kate learning to let go yeah. of Henry. And there's but we not don't that. get that. No. And that's what I'm saying. Like maybe if she even just expressed like Kate really doesn't want you to move on. Henry and Kate could have had this conversation and yeah. Kate would have like, we would have seen a change in heart in her that she wanted Henry to be happy. But instead we just see her screaming at him when he's on the couch. Now all of a sudden she wants him to move on. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Well, there was that montage where he looked really sad. But he looked sad through the whole movie. <laughs> no, no, this was like real sad. <laughs> it was so, maybe This was just... acting sad. <laughs> this is not acting sad. This was real sadness. <laughs> They just, I guess, needed better facial expressions. <laughs> Sorry, I just needed to get that out because I just thought like this whole movie could have been avoided yet again if communication would have just occurred with Ashley letting Kate say what she wanted to say. Or if Kate 
talking to the purgatory lady at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. You're right. So just communication as a whole there. with her not screaming and yelling at the guy in the truck. Right. She could be married right now. Yeah. Communication is the key to a lot. So, oh, um, Ashley and Dan are going on a trip to Las Vegas for some reason because now she's ready to give him a try. And he wants her to be a psychic in Las Vegas so she can make the big money. Yeah. I think that was meant as more of like a joke. Yeah. Rather than, hey, we're going to swindle all these people. It doesn't come across that because no. no one knows how to make jokes in this movie. Probably the second funniest person in this movie, though, was the actual gay guy at the airport <laughs> calling Dan out for saying that he wasn't gay. Right. Where he goes, yeah, I'm not gay either. Why don't we go to Las Vegas together? And talk about how not gay we are. Over dinner. <laughs> Uh, there's this big emotional moment because Henry, oh, uh, Kate is talking to Henry via his bird Mm -hmm. because that makes sense because animals can see dead people and he takes the bird to the airport. He takes the bird to the airport and hunts down Ashley and Kate confesses or basically they end up together in the end. Yeah. And she like makes out with Henry right in front of. Dan. Dan, who is consoled by the gay guy. Yeah, so, like, just a lot of people just, like, not really caring about anyone. Not caring about giving a good performance, not caring about (laughs) the script. This movie was definitely made by people who were forced to be there for their paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. They, there's a little scene at the end where Ashley's walking down the aisle and goes to this pew that Kate is sitting in. And no one questions that she sits there and talks, and talks to this empty <laughs> pew. They're not like, hey, Henry, are you sure you want to marry this girl? She's talking to nobody over here. Yeah, because everybody looks at her this yeah. whole time. Yeah. They're very ex- accepting of psychics in this world. Well, well, at this point, they're very accepting. Because throughout the rest of the movie, there are several times where she's talking to Kate. And people and are looking like at her she's like she's crazy. crazy. Right. Um, and then it ends with Kate... Going back to purgatory. And the woman says, where's the ball or the orb of light of your loved ones? Or Mm -hmm. There was something that she was supposed to bring back or so we're told, but it just cuts to black because she didn't have it. So there was supposed to be a sequel. And the sequel was going to be of Kate coming back and haunting Ashley and Henry's children. And scaring them. And then taking their orb of light. It was going to be a horror film. This sounds like the movie that we don't need, but we deserve. (laughs) Uh, So this movie had a budget of about $10 million. All right. Caitlin, would you like to take a guess at how much it made in the United States? I'm going to go with $6 million. Close. $7 million. Okay. The church at the end of the movie is the same church they used in Heather's. For all those funerals. Okay. So if that's why it looked familiar to you, now you know why. Yeah, I could see that now. Now, here's another little fun fact for you. I'm going to read you the original title of this movie. Okay. Now, I know that we try to keep things pretty PG on this podcast, but there is some language in this title. This is the original title? This is the original. It's going to have language in it? Um, it, look, I'm just reading the title, so don't shoot the messenger. 
How I Met My New Boyfriend's Dead Fiance, or colon, Ghost Bitch. Interesting. Which would have been not a great title. No. Over Her Dead Body is a little bit funnier. Yeah, (laughs) which did not line up with the movie, so. Well, it was Over Her Dead Body. Yeah, but I meant, like, the funny part didn't oh, line up with the movie. Yeah, yeah, there was nothing funny about the title in this movie. No. This movie was directed by, directed and written by Jeff Lowell, who, this is the only movie he's ever directed. You should stop now. No, 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 because he's written a lot. He also wrote the screenplay for John Tucker Must Die, Hotel for Dogs, and the TV show Manhattan Love Story. Well, I've never watched any of those, so... Samesies. Actually, I think I saw the end of John Tucker Must Die on TV one day. Hmm. On, like, ABC Family. That are all the facts that I have. Okay. How would you improve this movie, Caitlin? Um, there's a lot of things that are wrong in this movie. But I think it could be made better by better storytelling. But honestly, to make it the best movie possible... I think it should be told from the perspective of the bird. That would have been crazy. Right? The whole bird is telling the story. I think that would have been a really better, better solid film. And, and like, it's all communicated through different animals. The bird talks to, like, Ashley. She can have a cat. Talks to Ashley's cat. And they just kind of lead on. And then you find out at one point that the not gay gay best friend can actually hear all of these animals talking about oh my gosh that would be fantastic that's how you improve this movie here's how i would improve this movie one steven root would play multiple roles (laughs) he would be the priest the gay best friend and the gay and the ice sculptor (laughs) okay But legitimately, if we wanted to make this better, we would need to believe that Henry and Ashley work as a couple. Right. Instead of just putting them together because they need to be together. Yes. I want them to have things in common. Mm -hmm. I want them to enjoy activities together. Mm -hmm. I want them to read similar books Mm -hmm. and her to love the same animals that he does. Right. It would make a lot more sense. (laughs) If she was a dog person. Yes. Yes. I would also like to see more of his relationship with Kate so yes. that we, we could feel things. Yeah. I mm-hmm. want to be sympathetic that she's losing this guy mm-hmm. rather than rooting for Ashley because of how mean that Kate is. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I really, that's actually as far as I got with that. No, I mean, I, I think those are structurally what they need to make it a better movie. Yeah. Which leads us to our next question. And I know we've touched on this a lot. But uh, we, based on reality, mm-hmm. would Henry and Ashley last as a couple? No. Their relationship was built on a lie. They don't have anything in common. He doesn't even believe in the work that she does as a psychic. They have a shared experience, though, of dealing with his ex as a ghost. Yeah, but he didn't really deal with her, his ex. That's Mostly true. she did, and, and he did through her. He was just kind of a passive very passive i told you every every woman was so overly controlling in his life yeah you're not wrong okay follow-up question yeah 
What do you think about Dan and Ashley lasting if they had hooked up together? No, because that was most definitely based on a horrible lie. Yeah, and he straight up told her that he didn't like anything that she cared yeah. for. What about Dan and Chloe? Dan and Chloe? Okay, here's the thing. If you're going to lie to someone for five years mm-hmm. that they that you're gay, mm-hmm. you probably have several screws loose. Yes. So... For lack but of a better Chloe way, has several. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Is she's crazy enough to say, hey, psychic lady, pretend to be psychic. Yes. And tell my brother to move on. Right. So they both have collective screws loose. Mm-hmm. So they might work. Okay. I think that they could work. I have most hope for Chloe and Dan at yeah. the end of this movie mm-hmm. than I do anyone else. Yes. Agreed. I think that Stephen Root needed to find someone. That would have been sweet. Yeah. Like if he, like at the end, we see him and the purgatory lady together. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know, it's a fake afterlife, so. Anything goes. Anything goes. There are no rules. That's right. Uh, We watched this movie on iTunes. I'm sure it's available on Google Play and wherever movies are found. It was not available for streaming, which is kind of disappointing. But... In case you listened to last week's episode, when I said we're going to be watching Netflix's movie The Babysitter, we did not talk about The Babysitter because we both actually ended up enjoying that movie quite a lot. Yeah. And we realized that we didn't really have a whole lot to talk about. Nope. It was a good movie. You should check it out. We changed it up. So good Surprise. movie, The Babysitter, bad movie, Over Her Dead Body. Mm-hmm. And if you're, like, someone who has to watch all the rom-coms in the world, like, you are a rom-com collector, do not add this one to your collection. Save your time, money, and dignity, and just don't own this movie. If you had to pick one of our rom-coms that we've watched so far Mm -hmm. for someone else to watch, what would be at the top of your list to recommend, and what would be at the bottom? When in Rome. You could even have that one in your rom-com collection, and I wouldn't judge you. That's true. If you had this one in your rom-com collection, I would judge you because it's not even, like, a good rom-com. Like, you don't even get the butterflies in your stomach feeling when the couple ends up together. You're literally like, thank God this movie is over. You see them end up together, and you say... I don't really know how we got here, but I'm just glad it's over. Yeah. (laughs) I realize that I think you and I talked about what was our favorite and least favorite rom-coms at the top of this episode. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a redundant question. Just reiterating, you don't need to end this one. So yeah. it was a good recall for everyone. Nope, this was definitely not a must-watch. Nope. Do you have anything else that you would like to add, Caitlin? I dearest? don't think so. I don't think so. Cool. Well, as always, you can find information about upcoming episodes of the podcast on our Facebook and our Instagram at Journey Into Film. If you would like to recommend an episode, you can post something on our Facebook page. We like talking to people. Um, I think that's it. I don't remember what episode we're doing next week, but we're going to have to make sure it's a good one. It's going to be great. And it won't be Netflix Babysitter. It will not. But you I think I have Killer it. Clowns from Outer Space written down. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It but is. we'll surprise you with something great. It will be. And I know that we're working on something pretty special. So tune in next week. To hear what it is. And until then, 
Bye. Bye.